Today's episode is sponsored by Smart Jewels Enterprises. If you're looking for personal development coaching, health and wellness, or financial freedom coaching, or if you're looking to go on international trips with their travel group, or if you're just looking to start your podcast or your live stream show, visit Smart Jewels Enterprises with the link that's in the show notes. All right, y'all. Y'all heard the intro was a little bit different this Sunday afternoon or this Sunday evening. Uh, We are, of course, uh, in a special treat for this very special edition of the Run the Jewels Vidcast podcast series. Uh, This is episode 64. Uh, I'm your host, uh, King Jewels, uh, Julian Smartrimple. Uh, hailing out of Atlanta, Georgia, but my very special guest and, and cousin uh, is hailing all the way in West Africa in Accra, Ghana. Uh, you are in for a treat uh, for those that are, of course, here in the U.S. Uh, you will be hearing straight from uh, someone who is all the way across the globe in, in West Africa and Accra, Ghana, to be exact. Uh, this is, again, a Distance Relatives uh, special edition uh, with uh, my very special guest, uh, who is a, a cousin and not just um, a, a guest of mine. She's going to be dropping uh, heavy jewels uh, when it comes to life abroad and living abroad and the family values uh, that she holds uh, sacred to her and being in West Africa. And so uh, we are here with none other than my special guest and cousin, uh, Tony Isidore Smart, uh, who is an attorney. Um, she's uh, a legal professional. Uh, she's an influencer. And also, most importantly, she's a mom. And uh, we are going to be diving in uh, to her story and living abroad and also in being all the way in West Africa. And so, Tony, uh, can you introduce yourself to those that are tuning in this evening? Um, sure. Well, good evening, Julian. And though you are technically a, a distant cousin, you feel very close tonight. And as we yes. say, in uh, welcome home. Speaking yeah. to you from my home, it's 11.30 at night. And as we say here in Ghana, Akwaba, which is tree for welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am a, I'm a lawyer and an accountant and a mother of two boys, um, one age 12 and another age four. And I originally hail from the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. I left there at age 18 and I studied in Canada and in England And then I lived in the French Caribbean for seven years and in Australia for a few years. And now I'm in Ghana. Absolutely. So y'all hearing uh, from my cousin's mouth, uh, she's a woman that has traveled abroad and also uh, uh, has lived by way of Trinidad and Tobago. And so uh, she's of Trini descent. So shout out to all the West Caribbeans and West and West uh, Indies uh, that are representing on the live this evening or that will be watching the replay. Uh, we are in for a treat. Uh, she's actually um, literally uh, tuning in from Accra, Ghana, right before midnight. I, I told my cousin I had to have her on the um, the RTJ uh, vid- vidcast podcast series. Uh, she was uh, gracious enough to allow uh, us to receive her uh, right before midnight in Accra, Ghana. Again, she's not in the States, y'all, so we are in for a treat. And so, uh, so Tony, tell, tell them a little bit about your, your background. I know you said, of course, you were born in Trinidad, but tell them uh, a little bit about um, 
how how you got into um, being in a in, an attorney, an accountant, uh, even even a mom. Tell us about your story a little bit. Okay, well, um, I come from a long line of, of legal professionals on both sides of my family. My grandfather, Isidore Smart, uh, was Solicitor General and then went into private practice upon retirement. My father, Anthony Isidore Smart, was Attorney General. My maternal grandfather, Joseph Raphael Thomas, was also a solicitor in private practice who handed over or, or gave, offered the practice to the smart side of the family when he migrated to Canada. Mm. And my great-grandfather on my mother's side, um, on my grandmother's side, my maternal grandmother's side, he uh, was a, a judge in colonial days. His name is Sir George Campbell Dean. And he actually, I think, wrapped up his career or near wrapped up his career. I'm not quite sure, but I know he was the chief justice of the Gold Coast, which was what Ghana was called um, before independence. So, you know, I'm coming home in more ways than one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so law sort of comes naturally to the family. There are about 10 of us that are lawyers that are alive today. Wow. Um, from the smart side, from the other side, there's one cousin, I think, yeah, he's a lawyer in LA. Okay. And um, so I always wanted to read law and I wanted to, to do it at the London School of Economics. And I, I got acceptance out of high school, but my parents had, I have two brothers and, you know, they had two other children to educate. And at that point in time, I'd won a scholarship to this uh, Canadian university. And it's very rare for Canada to give scholarships. It was just that the town this university is in is, is twinned with Port of Spain, which is the capital of Trinidad. So to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the twinning, they offered a scholarship to one student. I applied. Um, I was uh, very good at accounting and finance and decided to pursue it at this university, which, had a, which is well known for its accounting program. And uh, so I did that first, and then I reapplied to the LSE to read law and did that afterwards. And then I got called to the bar in England and then admitted to practice in Trinidad and Tobago. So there I you have it. it. I love it. I love it. And that, that's, a, that's a tremendous journey. So shout out uh, to all of those that are tuning in that practice uh, the legal profession. Uh, you heard from my cousin's mouth, uh, Tony Isidore Smart. Uh, she... Uh, along with uh, a good amount of our family members do, uh, again, practice uh, law or are in some form of a white collar profession. And so we uh, definitely have to represent um, in, in regards to education, which we're going to uh, dive uh, right into because uh, I know you and I, uh, we are very much so firm believers uh, when it comes to not just having uh, traditional education, but even having a global education so that you can have a global mindset and also a global perspective. Uh, talk a, a little bit about uh, the difference between the education system in Accra, uh, where you are in Accra, Ghana, to be specific, uh, versus uh, being either in TNT or even in some of the other places that you've resided in. Okay, well, I'm, I'm speaking from my limited experience. Uh -huh. um, just know that I'm not generalizing with respect to all of Accra. Um, because I, I spent, 
about seven years or so in the French Caribbean. My sons have spent most of their lives um, educated in the French system. Mm. When I moved to Ghana, I put my elder son, because he plays four instruments, into the Ghana International School, which is the school that Kofi Annan attended. Wow. Um, simply because I had toured the school and their music program seemed far more developed than that of the, of the local, well, the leading French international school. So um, France has these international schools all over the world. Um, and so it's very easy to educate a child if you travel in the French system, if, if, it's, if it's a system you subscribe to. But I put Isidore into, it's called GIS. Um, and he was there for a year. And it is very, very similar to that of Trinidad and Tobago, being uh, a former British colony as well. So there is form one to form six, um, there are exams at the end of form five. It's, it's, it's very similar. There's a house system, there are uniforms. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was great for me because it was as close as he could get to attending a Trinidadian and Tobagonian school without mm. actually being in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. Um, and having lived in Australia just before, in Sydney, just before moving to Ghana, what I really appreciated about it is he was, he was no longer a minority. He was no longer a minority person of color at the school. In fact, he was part of the majority. Wow. And um, so that was really important. So I didn't have to educate him about who Kofi Annan was or even um, Jesse James and African playwrights and... I'd still have to educate him on the history of Calypso and, you know, our history that's particular and Haiti and our history that's particular to the Caribbean. But yeah. black history as a whole, I didn't have to educate him on. And what was brilliant was when we moved here, well, not so brilliant, was it was the year last year, Kofi Annan died. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to attend his state funeral. And what my son was able to witness was dropping me off at the state funeral and then heading to school. And he ended up being in Kofi Annan's house. Wow. You know, um, yeah, so so it's very similar, but there are some significant differences that I think are cultural and especially with the proximity of Ghana and the UK being much closer than the UK and Caribbean. Mm -hmm. A lot of the privileged Ghanaians still send their children to school in the UK to boarding schools. Wow. So you see an exodus at about 13, between 13 and 50 um, mm -hmm. of children leaving to be educated in England. Whereas in Trinidad, due to the sheer distance and other cultural differences, you don't see that anymore. That used to happen, say, in my parents' generation, and then a few in my generation, but generally, children in Trinidad are educated. They have the entire primary school and high school education in Trinidad. And well, when you live on a small island, if you have the capability to study abroad, there's only one way to go, and that's off of it. Yeah. So, that's where many would, would then leave for, for tertiary education. Wow. Wow. For, for those that are just tuning in, uh, you are in for a treat. Uh, this is a, my very special guest and also a cousin of mine, uh, Tony Isidore Smart. Uh, she is hailing all the way out of West Africa. Currently, right now, it is, I want to say, almost midnight, if not already midnight, because you could tell us what time it is over there in a second. But she's in Accra, Ghana, y'all in West Africa, uh, sharing the jewels of wisdom with you all on this Sunday evening. Uh, this is episode 64, Distant Relatives in the special edition uh, hailing out of Ghana, West Africa. 
Uh, we're going to give some quick shout outs cuz before uh, we pick back off with Q&A. Shout out to uh, Justin that's tuning in. Uh, shout out to uh, BW uh, Raven. Uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in. Shout out to uh, Harlem Zone Lyric. Uh, Yolanda, Chenza, uh, shout out to Cuz, Chenza, shout out to Anastasia, Cara, Dion, shout out to DW, um, DBW, shout out to Jenna, uh, Tabitha, and shout out to Jeremy for tuning in early, y'all. Uh, we appreciate y'all hanging with us on this Sunday uh, late evening. It's already about to be a new day in, in Ghana uh, with my cousin, uh, Tony Isidore Smart, uh, who is here uh, to show you all why it's important. Uh, to have family values and also uh, why it's important to travel abroad and especially uh, going to uh, the motherland, West Africa. And so, uh, cuz, I know you are speaking directly about uh, boarding school uh, for those that have been U.S. US born and also U.S. bred, uh, but may not uh, know what boarding schools are. Can you just give them uh, a quick analysis of, of what boarding schools are and what some of the different traditional schools versus non-traditional schools are? Well, boarding schools are schools where the students um, board in that they sleep there. Mm. And, you know, whether they would uh, sleep there for the week and go home on weekends or sleep there for the entire term depends on the, their individual situation. Um, whereas a regular school, the, the student just attends as, as a day student. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so y'all getting educated by my cousin. She, she's letting y'all know there's a difference in the U.S., uh, we may not be able to uh, see a lot of boarding schools unless you're going you're going uh, uh, put away from your family sending you off to a, a non-traditional boarding school. But but yeah, uh, those those are some things that you want to be able to know before you go abroad with your family. And cause um, uh, tell them uh, even in Ghana, and then we'll we'll circle back going to Trinidad. Like, uh, are there international schools that? that are basically taught multiple languages uh, versus just being uh, taught English and, and of course, the, the native the native tongues uh, in, in Accra or tell us just for those that have not gone to West Africa or, or may want to travel there, like what are some of the languages and, and things uh, that separate what the classification of the schools are? Okay, so in Ghana, the, the, like the rest of Africa, except for Ethiopia, which wasn't colonized, um, they speak their national language is the European language. And I actually think maybe Rwanda has, has done away with the French. Um, I don't want to, to, to say that as a fact, um, as the official language. But there are many different tribes that make up Ghana. And so are 40 African language, about 40 or so African languages spoken, um, languages are spoken within Ghana. But the one that it is used most often is, is, is a language called tree. It's pronounced tree, but it's spelled T-W-I. Mm. However, in Ghana, they are educated in English and the, the other languages are just spoken languages. They're not formally educated in them um, in a rampant manner, like say one would in Creole in some countries. Um, within Accra, you can, there's a Swiss German school, there's an international French school, there's Lincoln, which is an American international school. Mm. Um, and then there are all of these other prestigious uh, Ghanaian private schools. It's a secular um, country, okay. but comprised of Christian and Muslims with, a, I think, about 70% Christian and 30% Muslim also. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So the schools are not church-based. You know, whereas in Trinidad, a lot of the prestigious schools are sort of hybrid. It's a church-based, government-based um, uh, aspect to, to the good ones. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, not necessarily the good ones, to the, to the hardcore academic schools, because trade schools are good schools too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, trade schools are very good schools too. So therein lies the difference, but there are many international schools here. Yeah, and so that's that's something that uh, even myself, I'm getting educated about y'all because I've only recently traveled to the motherland going to Liberia in March. But uh, my cousin, Tony Isidore Smart is in Accra, Ghana. Uh, for those that have not traveled abroad or have not touched foot in Africa, you're in for a treat and hearing directly uh, from my cousin's mouth of what is happening on the ground floor in Accra. And so, uh, cuz, talk, talk a little bit about the culture. Like, how was uh, the culture shock when you actually, I know you travel a lot uh, but before you even um, resided and, and moved to, to Ghana, but like, talk about like, were there any uh, culture shocks that you had to go through for the first time that you came to Ghana? Talk about like that first experience. Okay, well, I have always wanted to live in Ghana, actually. Um, this is a desire that I verbally expressed some 12 years ago. And I guess I finally made it here, you know. Um, I can't explain why. And I didn't even know at the time that my great-grandfather was Chief Justice. Wow. And I also didn't know at the time that my great-great-grandfather, and I think he's your great-grandfather, John Stephen Smart, mm -hmm. left West Africa, from my calculation, sometime after um, abolition mm. came down to Trinidad, I think through South America. So this, the story goes, I'm actually trying to find him. And I, I think I'm going to send you a photo of him. If you don't have that, I, I just got one today. Okay. And, um, at one point in time, there was a possibility he may have been Ghanaian, but now I, I think he's from Sierra Leone. I think mm -hmm. he left Sierra Leone. Um, so our name smart is in fact, African. It is not a name that was given to us um, as a slave owner, you know, uh, designating us, naming us after him. It is, in fact, the name of a free African. But yes, there would be some European influence there. Mm. Right. Wow. Um, so Ghana is shockingly very much uh, very similar to Trinidad socially. Mm -hmm. um, based on my experience, it's a, it's a population of 25 mil. Accra has about 2 million people. And Trinidad is a population of 1.5 mil, Trinidad and Tobago. But Ghana, Ghana's ruling class and sort of seems smaller than that of Trinidad. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of similarities in that there is a Syrian Lebanese community here like that in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. And and uh, some scandal, actually, with respect to that community arose when Anthony Bourdain, I think a few episodes before he, he died, came to Trinidad. And that's actually something you should refer, you should, if you have the time, you should look at. Um, where, you know, the Syrian and Lebanese community in Trinidad comprises about 1% of the population, they said. And they made some very derogatory comments about the rest of the population because they, uh, they, they came and they excelled in business. Mm. and trading and it's very similar here the difference here is that the syrian and lebanese have preserved their french here 
the Lebanese, because mm -hmm. Ghana is surrounded by French Africa, Burkina Faso mm. to the north, the Cote d'Ivoire, and then Togo on the other side, Benin, and then you get to Nigeria, right? And so, and the combination of Lebanese here are Muslim and Christian, whereas in Trinidad and Tobago, it's just Christian, mainly Christian um, Lebanese Syrian um, people. So there's that similarity. There's a similarity in terms of the food. There's a similarity in terms of the music. So for example, I went to listen to some drummers the other day uh -huh. and they were saying they went to Martinique, for example, and because of slavery, what three people would play on three different drums at one point in time for one piece of music, one man was playing all three beats on that one drum. Wow. You know, so that crossed the middle passage that lasted some six or 700 years. Mm. And that is what is called the Chante Noël in Martinique, mm. uh, which is a, 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 a drumming music at Christmas time in Martinique. So when you come here, I mean, the similarities are just tremendous, but they are also differences. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about um, when it comes to not, not even, well, before, before we even dive into that, Let's 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 talk about because um, you and I we were of course DMing about this. How are the U.S. citizens um, that are of course not from uh, any other international countries like treated in Ghana? Uh, is it true that you don't necessarily need to have any uh, passport besides just a U.S. a U.S. Um, identification card to get into Ghana? Are these rumors true? Uh, tell us tell us what's going on over there. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> Ghana has a very stable, stable um, economy and government. It's in its fourth republic. Um, military rule was lost in, in 1993, and that's something the sitting president boasts about and others boast about. Um, and, you know, when you land at the airport, it's a, the, the airports in Africa are much nicer than a lot of the airports in the U.S., to be honest. Wow. Much, wow. much nicer. You have to have your yellow fever card on you. You have to have your passport on you. Mm -hmm. And your passport has to have a visa in it. The U.S. requires a visa to come here. Trinidad and Tobago does not require a visa to come to Ghana. But mm -hmm. U.S. citizens do require a visa. And then when you walk through, you know, you walk through a, a thermometer sort of body scan, which takes your temperature to check to see if you're ill or any of that. So it's, it's, it's very organized and developed in that sense. Um, it is not a free for all, but yes, in a way, there's some leeway because this year marks the year of return. Yes. Where, yeah, the, where they say the diaspora, which would be US diaspora and Caribbean and I guess Brazilian diaspora have the right to return to Ghana, um, being descendants of Africans who were plucked away during slavery. Um, they, they call it 400 years, of course it's more than 400 years, but they're counting the 400 years from when they first landed, the slaves first landed in Virginia, I think. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the point that they measure the time. And so what this president is doing, which I think is absolutely fantastic, another president, another pres the previous president has done it where he issued 32 um, passports is that they're giving diaspora the chance to apply for Ghanaian citizenship, mm. which would be phenomenal because it allows you to travel throughout ECOWAS, right? Which is um, the West African states. It's like the equivalent to CARICOM or the EU, but for West Africa. Wow. So it allows you to travel that without any visas or any issues. 
But for example, just the other day, I drove to Togo with an American girl and she did not have her documents in order and she was given a, a, lot, of, a lot of trouble. Yeah. And there's actually, unfortunately, I think it's due to Trump, there's actually a lot of hostility towards Americans now in, in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Then you're not harmed, you're not harmed, you're not harmed, but you know, it's not necessarily the strongest passport to have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But are you, everything is safe. Everything is safe. It's, 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 it's no issue. Because Ghana and the US have a great relationship. We have a, you guys have a massive embassy here. And, you know, um, actually the US, I think, is the only, the only way you can cross the Middle Passage since slavery. I mean, there's no flights to the Caribbean. I don't think there are flights to South America. So that's the only way you can actually cross the Middle Passage since slavery. So yeah. To the yeah, and that's and that's important for y'all to know. Again, this is not this is not he said she said stuff. This is coming directly uh, from someone, uh, my cousin to be exact, who is literally on the ground in Accra, uh, Ghana, and so she's going to be telling us uh, how she is raising her family in Accra, Ghana, and also some uh, things that you may or may not know about what is happening. Uh, with the government, the culture, and specifically uh, what you need to know in order to travel uh, to West Africa. And so, uh, cuz, talk, talk. Um, let, let's talk more family now before we go back uh, to a lot of the similarities between Caribbean uh, culture or even um, South American culture and West African culture. Um, how how is it raising uh, your two your two children in Ghana? Um, how how are they treated? Uh, what are some of uh, their aha moments when it comes to being raised around uh, people that, that of course, look just like them, but um, literally are in a, a different foreign country uh, than what they, of course, were traditionally raised in. Okay, so when you arrive or people hear that you're Trinidadian and Tobagonian, their first response is, is welcome home cousin. Mm. Right? Um, but... I mean, obviously you can see that I am not a white woman, mm -hmm. but in Africa, they call me a boony. They refer mm -hmm. to me as white. I'm described as a white woman. So this is the first time in my life I've ever been described as a white woman. <laughs> um, my oldest son phenotypically presents as a, as a, has sort of an Aboriginal look to him because his father is of East Indian descent. He's Trinidadian and Tobagonian and his father is of East Indian descent. And my second son, his father is French. So even though he is the image of me, he is a, it's a he's a lighter version of of of, uh, of me, and so we are we are fine. You know, Caribbean people we're sort of like the universal donors. We're like salt when everything. We, people are not necessarily intimidated by us, and so on and so forth. And we're in a minority here in terms of diaspora. The Americans are in the majority, so we're treated beautifully. You know. Um, but my son is called Indian, and then my other son and I are called white. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, my 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 eldest son is was once told by people at GIS, for example, at Ghana International School, that you know, when he says, you know, well, I'm African, and he says, they said, no, you're not of African descent. Your mother's white. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. So that was that was a bit of a shock for me. That was um that was interesting. But you know, other than that, it's it's pure love. It's you know, they're very, very welcoming to, to Caribbean people. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 even when it comes to that, cuz, cause of of course, um, you know, I've only been to Liberia as I told you, and when it comes to all the skin tones, because that is that is interesting that they still uh, know knowing that you are of African descent uh, still uh, because of your lighter complexion refer to you as as white. Like, how are the skin complexions from uh, the people that you see on a regular basis? Are they more of a darker, like bluish tone? Are they, are they of a lighter a lighter complexion? What's the the skin varieties uh, that you see in Ghana? They tend to be darker, but not dark as in a bluish i guess like uh the senegalese or the sudanese um but you can get very dark um ghanaians um but you know you can you can literally look here and you can see who was transported as slaves which tribes and who wasn't mm. you can look you can look at the features and say yes, this person looks Caribbean, or you can, you can look and say, okay, this tribe, whatever, the um, um, X, tribe X, mm -hmm. for sure, these people were not transported as slaves. Wow. It's very, very obvious to you when you come here. Wow. So, for example, I was in a club once, and there was a guy sitting, he was a bathroom attendant, and I looked at him and I said, I'm so sorry, I need to ask you which tribe you're from, because you look Trinidadian and Tobagonian, to the bone. Wow. And he says, you know, I'm Ewe, right? And they're up from the, the Volta region, sort of the middle and north of um, Ghana, around the lake and the rivers, which would have been really important too for transportation, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I've, I've noticed that other Ewe, for example, look Caribbean, you know? Wow. So that's, that's really, really interesting. Mm. That's yeah. a that's a huge point right there, cause which goes into the into the next point. Uh, for those that are tuning in, uh, really quick, we're on episode sixty four of the RTJ uh, Vidcast podcast series. Uh, this is a special Sunday edition titled "Distant Relatives uh, Hailing Out of Ghana, uh, Kra Ghana, to be exact." With my um, very special guest and cousin uh, Tony Isidore Smart, uh, who is uh, raising her two boys uh, in Ghana currently right now. And so, um, cause with transportation, uh, let's, let's dive into that. Cause folks mm. uh, here in the States that they're, uh, a lot of times told a lot of, a lot of, um, misinformation when it comes to how the transportation is in Ghana or even in West Africa period, like how are the mm. roads, how are the roads, what type of cars are a lot of the locals driving, uh, talk to us about transportation. Okay. So, you know, you're in Africa, which is a developing, you know, a lot of the countries in Africa are most are developing countries. So there's a huge disparity between the haves and the have nots. Um, transportation isn't developed in a way, for example, that I feel safe putting my son on a bus to go to school. So, you know, my son, when we came from Sydney at 10, he was sitting on a bus for an hour and a half going to school and, and, and he can come home. Here, I have to physically drive him and drop him to school. Um, they got little sort of maxi taxi little buses called trotros that transport people around there is a train system um, a train track system that they're, they're attempting to revitalize and i think some trains run between a couple of points um, the roads are not great at all not great at all they are heavily policed um which makes one feel safe um but 
all that's really happening is that the police are stopping you and if they stop you and some there's some minor issue they're just looking for a couple dollars here a couple right. dollars there. and literally that's all it is it's essentially police on the streets begging for money right um, but it you're not going to be harmed in any way that's just how it is you know okay. and uh, yeah 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 so you know um it's a little bit off putting in the beginning but then you sort of get used to the culture and you just realize that these police checks are not a big deal right um uh in terms of cars well there's a lot of this there's wealth you know they discovered oil in Ghana in 2007 mm. so they're new they're a new oil country um so they're still developing that industry um but besides that they would they would have been wealthy with the gold and 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 the cocoa and other industries and um so you know the africans love their mercedes um there's lots of that happening luxury cars they they fly first class they fly you know they fly business class um and so it's one extreme or the or the other basically and then you know in terms of transportation i uber here i walk out on the street Uber is fantastic. It's cheap. It's safe. There's Uber. There's Bolt, and there's another one that begins with T. I can't remember the name of it, but mm. there are three of them here working, and you can get them in minutes. So it's really, really easy to get around Accra. And then you can hire drivers, and you can rent cars. So getting around is easy. It just it's a very it, it's dependent on your budget. Mm. So if you want to rent a car and you want to have a driver, it's a specific budget. If you want to Uber around Accra, very cheap. very safe um very affordable wow and that's and that's good to know cuz there are a lot of a lot of people uh cuz uh you know I'm sure you you've heard it that that think that uh because uh they're in Africa that uh they're they're not a developing nation that has access to some of the luxuries that we do in the Caribbean and then also here in the states where I'm located at and so for those that didn't know there is Uber uh in Ghana you heard it from my cousin's mouth it's very easy and also um very um uh easy to navigate on top of that and so uh, there is a uh, public transportation that you could definitely um touch base with when you do go to Accra so cuz talk talk about um uh when it comes to the foods uh what what are some of your favorite food dishes and also what similar dishes are there in Ghana that uh we make of course in Trinidadian culture uh that you found similar uh that they just say a different name for for this is what they call it in Ghana versus Trinidad. Okay. So as you realize Julian, I sort of shoot straight from the hip. Yes. I love my Ghana people oh as they say here. But the food you know <laughs> it's it's not fine cuisine. It's heavy in the oil it's carbohydrates with a side of carbohydrates and a side of carbohydrates and carbohydrates for dessert yeah. but but you know in the caribbean we have something called kalalu mm. which is a which mm-hmm. is a soup made from a leafy um vegetable or leafy plant right and they have it here called it's called kuntumbre but it's cooked it's cooked differently so in in my home i i i, I prepare kalalu using kuntumbre leaves and it tastes exactly the same um on the streets you can get roast corn which is very similar to trinidad except they roast it i think with coconut wow okay and then 
there's roast plantain, which you can't, which you don't get, for example, I've not seen it in, in Trinidad and parts of the Caribbean that I've lived in, um, which is fantastic. They wrap it in newspaper and they save it with, you know, nuts, with, uh, you know, with peanuts. Um, there's something called fufu, which is like a heavy combination of, it's like a massive sort of gelatinous dumpling, which is made out of you pounding, I think, cassava and plantain or something else. And you, you, you eat it with something called a light soup. So you break off a piece and you eat it and you eat it with your hands. So you're actually eating soup with your hands, which is an art form in itself. Mm -hmm. But what happens here, and that can be tasty, but what happens here is that they add spice like you wouldn't believe. And it's mm -hmm. not tasty spice. It's just, it's just heat. It's mm. just heat. And you don't have the ability to, you don't have the ability to, you know, adjust it or to add it yourself. It's mm -hmm. not a decide, it's just heat. They also have something in, in West Africa called jollof rice, which is very similar to call, to what we prepare in Trinidad called pelau. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah, so, so that is very, very similar. But I, I'm not a fan of the food in Ghana, but I'm a huge fan of the food in French mm. West Africa. Mm. Yeah, you know, being a former British colony didn't do much for Ghana in the food department. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, no, I get it, I get it. So, so uh, shout out to they, like Tony said, they're gonna they're gonna have your mouth blazing with all the spices over there. But, but yeah, it's, it's always gonna be a toss up between who has the best food in West Africa, just like my cousin said. So, yeah. so even so, even with that, um, uh, Tony, like talk about like how easy is it to travel? Can you travel like into Nigeria, uh, into uh, some of the other neighboring uh, countries, even going as far as? like Liberia, Sierra Leone, from where you were in Ghana, like how easy is it to travel? Can you travel only via plane? Can you do train? Like what are, what are some of the different ways to get into the other countries, neighboring countries specifically? Okay. So train is completely out of the question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you can drive and okay. you can fly. So for example, I drove to Togo the other day to buy school books for my, my son because he attends a French school. And the French use a very specific type of exercise books, which you can't find in Ghana. And there's one shop that was selling it closed down. So I drove to Togo, which is a three-hour drive, um, which is fine. Uh, I flew to Senegal. Obviously, driving to Senegal is, is not a good idea. Um, there are various African airlines that you can use. Um, so I flew to Senegal, which was fantastic. Um, just off the coast of Ghana, there is the Portuguese former Portuguese um, colony of um, an island called, um, a group of islands called uh, two, I think, Sao Tome Principe, which mm -hmm. is a, two islands are completely malaria free. Wow. Stunning, stunning, like you're in the Caribbean. Mm. Um, so that's a two hour flight. In terms of ease of crossing borders, having a Trinidadian passport is it's a very strong passport in Africa. So when, when we when I want to go to Nigeria, I can get a Nigerian visa, but there's no fee. Mm. Right? You can get visas on arrival in the various countries, but you're going to pay a pretty penny more for visas on arrival. It's not like in Egypt where you land and a visa for arrival is 25 US or whatever it is. Maybe that's changed since last I've been in Egypt. Right. Um, but so there's that difference. And then also the bureaucracy, depending on who you are, when you arrive, you could spend hours in Nigeria and airport. Not so Nigeria is like, Nigeria is like, how can I describe it? Nigeria, for example, is I suppose the Trinidad and Tobago of, 
of West Africa and Ghana is like St. Lucia. Mm. I can sort of use that analogy. Okay. Um, so the Trinidad passport is strong here, but when I flew into when I flew into Senegal, I used my French passport. However, when I drove to Trinidad, when sorry, when I drove to Togo, I used my Trini passport mm-hmm. because when I did my research, the French still required a visa wow. to get into Togo, and that's an indication of how the former colony and the colonizer what, of their relationship. So I just used my Trini passport, and it's like yes. Welcome to Togo, bienvenue, you know, whereas Senegal, there's no visa that's required for the French. So I just use my, my French passport, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of lucky um, in that sense. But relatively speaking, it's fairly difficult to get around because the road system within the continent is not developed. It's not good. And if you have to drive through countries like South Sudan or whatever to get to another place, it's obviously not safe. Burkina Faso had issues. Cote d'Ivoire had a war recently, very recently, but I mean, it's all fine now. I actually want to spend New Year's in Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. Um, you know, and, and relatively speaking, it's difficult, but it's, it's very difficult also to, to travel around the Caribbean. I right. mean, you can't, you know, it's expensive. It's these small planes and there's no boat system. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, but... So I would say it's it's safe to get around, but you need to have the money to fly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's good right there, cause too, cause that that um I know I know it's it's um it's it's winding down to the last the last two questions that we have for you, but we did have one from uh, one of our our uh, audience members, Delta, uh, wanted to know, Tony, what is the currency exchange rate? Um, in Ghana compared to U.S. dollar. So how does the, the Ghanaian uh, currency uh, hold up to U.S. dollar? So I'm going to give you a little history here. The Ghanaian currency is called a CD. Mm-hmm. And the, the etymology of the word is, I think, um, from a CD, which is a, an Akan, I think an Akan word, uh, which is one of the tribes here, for the cowrie shells, which is what the Ghanaians treated with. So mm. when Ghana transitioned from the pound and the shilling, um, Kwame Nkrumah, who was the president that led Ghana uh, into independence, along um, with, you know, he was a Pan-Africanist, etc., cetera, um, used the, that name, and that's why it's called the CD. Mm. This year, the CD has dropped significantly. I think earlier this year, it was about 4.7 CD to 1 US dollar, and now it's about, you know, 58 the banks uh, would, would uh, sell at 5.6, 5.7, but you, you pay 5.58. So the CD is dropping with respect to the U.S. dollar. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a good that's a good answer. So hopefully she answered your question, uh, DBW, because uh, um, I, I know I know uh, you definitely are are winding down for getting ready for the new day. But if if folks are looking to travel to Ghana. Uh, give them like your top five bucket list of places that they have to travel uh, that you approve of, especially if they're coming from the U.S. They have not gone to uh, Trinidad and Tobago. They've not gone to the Caribbean before, but this is their first time stopping uh, directly in the motherland. Like what are some places that you would mention they, ha- they have to attend? Okay. Um well, it depends what you want. If you're if you're a surfer, I can tell you to go to Coco Brite and to Tails Beach. 
Uh, I think everybody needs to go, for example, to the to the slave castles. The big ones are Cape Coast and Elmina, and you know it's a really it, those are those are a must see for for anyone. There are a couple in Accra because Ghana had forty of these slave ports. It was a tremendous amount of slave trade out of Ghana, mm. and um, so that would be important. If you're a foodie, there are lots of um, lovely international restaurants here in Ghana. And there's one in particular, which I quite like because I think it's Ghana is finally starting to um, promote their own food in a, in a new way. And there's a restaurant called Fat Fish, which mm -hmm. does, for example, Ghanaian guinea fowl in, in, a, in a beautiful um, presentation. There's also another restaurant called Pokey House, which does, you know, the original guinea fowl with yam fries, which is delicious. Okay. Um, there is the, uh, the art center, which I think is the largest art center in West Africa, which I think wow. is a must, uh, a must to visit. There's also a fantastic little, it's called Sun Trade Beads Shop. It's in a place, an area called Asylum Down, where you can get um, trader beads and other beads, and you can string together your own beads. You can design your own beads. Um, there, uh, if you if you're looking for beautiful beaches, you have to drive out and go to Axin, Lumun, Buswa, which are in the western region. Mm. Um, so if you, you can head to Cape Coast and then drive and Elmina and then and, and go past there. Um, in terms of the north, well, Kumasi is a really central um, uh, central part of Ghanaian life. And I think that's worth going to. And I've heard, I haven't been to it yet, but I had some guests here. And that the museum there is worth, worth seeing, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and then just as a, as a final follow-up to that, because like, because people... Uh, when I came back from Liberia uh, here to the States, they were shocked at how um, clean and clear some of the beaches were um, in Liberia. And I know you're in Ghana uh, next to Nigeria, where a lot of y'all's beaches are very well known, especially for those that travel uh, to Africa. So can you just give a glimpse into what the beaches look like? I know we have beautiful beaches in, in Trinidad, but uh, compared to Trinidad, like what are the beaches like in Ghana? Well, you know, it's all Atlantic Ocean, so there's no sea. Mm. You get some sheltered stuff depending on, on the geography of the bay, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. unless you're a strong swimmer, you have to be careful. The beaches are not marked with flags. Most of them are not marked with flags. And to be quite honest, I, I can't go to a beach in Accra because they are absolutely filthy. I have to drive out of Accra. And right. even so... Even so, they're not particularly clean, but I need beach. I grew up on the north coast of, a, of, of the Carib of Trinidad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult, but you can't. You can't be too harsh on. I think on on some of the African nations with respect to their beaches, in particular the West Africans, because. Generally, the population are not swimmers. And to be quite honest, I feel that the Africans here have turned their back on the waters because it was a place that they disappeared to. Mm. And, and I think pain is, it stays in the DNA. 
And unless things are addressed in certain ways and there's, you know, there's more recognition of what actually happened and things are memorialized. Like when you go to Berlin, World War II stuff is everywhere. But here, it's not like that. So I understand that uh, a certain degree, but I think, I think now maybe they're waking up to, to, because the whole world is waking up to the environmental crisis. So they, they, they have to wake up with the beaches here are are not great, but you, you have to really drive out of Accra. Great beaches in Senegal. Sierra yeah. Leone is known for its beaches. Yeah. Right? Sierra yeah. Leone is known for its beaches. Um, Togo as well. And I don't know about Benin, but definitely Sierra Leone and Senegal, you know, Cap Verde, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so y'all heard it. Y'all heard it first uh, this evening. I know uh, I just wanted to have her on for a quick a quick hour segment because again it is already a new day in ghana uh, with my cousin tony isidore smart uh she is hailing out of accra ghana for those that just were tuning in uh she is again a part of my family clan my smart clan uh we did get a shout out to tony one of my friends dion lewis uh said shout out to you and and doing amazing things all the way out there in ghana uh, he basically said that our family is incredible and, and you're living up to our last name. So shout out uh, to Dion uh, giving you a shout out, Tony. Uh, but but nevertheless, because uh, we always allow uh, you as the, the special guest to leave a final jewel of wisdom uh, when it comes to uh, you being not just a mother, but also being uh, an attorney, uh, being an accountant, uh, being uh, a wife. Uh, when people are basically afraid uh, to travel, let alone travel to West Africa, uh, what would you give as a word of wisdom for that person that may uh, be hearing uh, from you being there right now and, and they are, are trying to get over the hump of that fear? Like, what would you tell them uh, of why it's important to travel, let alone travel to West Africa? Well, first of all, Africa is just absolutely stunning and, and so rich and enriching. And I think every person on the planet, as they try to make it to the Eiffel Tower, the Statue of Liberty, needs to come to Africa, you know? Um, because this is where man originated from. For those of us that are di of diasporan descent, and also there are those who are descendants from the slave owners as well, it's important to come here. It's important to come here. And the diasporans, it's important to come here to find yourself because you'll be shocked when you come here. I mean, it's not called the motherland for no reason. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not only an attorney and accountant and also a yoga teacher. And the word of advice that I, that I have for everyone is to try to live as authentically as you can. And it's not difficult because we all have fear, you know, we, you know which paralyzes. But in today's day, you know, given the future of the planet, with the climate and, and what's happening, I think, I think you need to step out there and you need to come to Africa and, you know, you'll enjoy it. You'll be safe. Come to Ghana for sure. Yes. And, and you heard it again from, from Tony's mouth. Y'all need to go to West Africa. Uh, I actually, um, as, as cause you already know, wanted to start my exploration in Africa in Ghana, uh, but God had another plan in store for me, which is why I just recently went to Liberia, but I will be in Accra um, hopefully sometime next year, uh, either that or Sierra Leone. And, and so uh, for those that are looking, as you heard my cousin say, uh, to really go back to the root of your identity, no matter whether you're black, white, Hispanic, whatever the case is, uh, the stats are out there, the history is out there, 
uh, all of us originated from the motherland, uh, which was not even called Africa. It was Ethiopia uh, for those that do study in the diaspora. So um, shout out to uh, my cousin, Tony Isidore Smart, uh, for being, again, my special guest for episode 64. Uh, my final jewel, uh, just as simple as that, you need to travel to Africa, y'all. You heard the music uh, that I was playing at the beginning. I know, cuz, we didn't even get to dive into that, but we'll bring you back for another edition to talk about the music, uh, the similarities between um, the music in the Caribbean versus in, in West Africa, and then talk a, a little bit more about the government, because they need to hear, just like you and I have talked about on DM and Facebook Messenger, what's happening on the streets uh, in Ghana with politics. And so, uh, this has been episode 64. Uh, Tony, how can they reach out to you, cuz, if they have any follow-up questions, they want to know how it is raising uh, two two young kings uh, in, in West Africa and also even about your uh, travel explorations, if they need some inspiration, can they reach out to you on social media? How can they touch base with you? Well, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm pretty private in terms of social media. Um, tend to use it for the for the family to see see the children grow. Um, but I guess if you know, I'm happy to help. I guess if they have any questions, Julian, they can direct it to you. Okay. And, you know, you can feed them to me. And also, Julian, you know, there's a guest room here for you. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And got, yeah, and you got to keep me posted with respect to Sierra Leone because I'm I'm starting some investigation about our John Stephen Smart. Um, which I think will take us to Sierra Leone. So maybe we can hook up there or you come to Ghana. You yeah, know. yes. You know, how, you know how we smarts are always global, so we got to connect. You, you heard yeah. me say, I, I, after I came from Liberia, I got to go to Africa once once or twice a year minimum, cause, so I'll be over there uh, for sure uh, soon. And again, uh, we appreciate you coming on, especially staying up with us. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Ghana um, in, in certain parts of West Africa are at least six hours ahead. And so um, literally my cousin stayed up to make sure she was able to educate you all and myself in what is happening in Accra. And so we do appreciate you cuz. And uh, definitely I'm gonna say a quick prayer over you really quick to uh, let you uh, get ready for uh, some rest. And then uh, we will allow you to enjoy the rest of uh, the beginning of your week. Thank you very much, Julian. All right, cause, uh, Father God, I just want to thank you uh, for my cousin, uh, Tony, coming on and uh, being able to uh, just share her expertise and her experience of um, raising her children uh, in a in a uh, international territory, being able to embrace uh, the culture uh, that is in West African culture and just uh, being an open book to show others uh, why they need to travel back to Africa. Uh, we thank you uh, for her talents and her gifts that you've used. Uh, through her, Father God, we thank you for uh, the wisdom and the knowledge and even the um, the education that she's uh, brought forth in this interview uh, to show, uh, again, myself and others uh, what is happening on the ground floor in West Africa. Uh, we pray that you will bless uh, her children, bless her family, uh, bless our family, Father God, abroad, wherever they are, because uh, you know how big we are, Father God, but we uh, always are uh, important. We always are valuing the importance of education. And so uh, we just thank you for allowing Tony to educate uh, those and empower those that were listening. Uh, we pray uh, that you will continue to guide her in her mission that you have her on. And we love you, Father, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, God. You know, we're going to be in touch. Uh, we, we appreciate you staying up with us. We're going to have to bring you back soon. My mom. 
She just told you, uh, Tony, she's so proud of you. Blessings always. And she'll catch the replay from the beginning. So hi, Auntie. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, cuz. We'll be in touch and you enjoy the rest of your week. And thank you so much again. Love you. Wow. Love you too. All right. Ciao. Ciao. All right, y'all, I'm going to do a quick wrap up. You heard from my cousin. Uh, she, again, stayed up with us uh, just to be able to let y'all know uh, and get a little glimpse uh, behind the camera, get a little glimpse behind uh, what what folks are saying, what folks are talking about. You heard exactly uh, what is going on in Accra, Ghana uh, from my cousin, Tony Isidore Smart. Uh, you you may not come from an international family like myself and her, uh, but best believe you can still gain family and friends uh, from the art of travel. Uh, if you are not traveling or if you do not have a passport, uh, I don't know what planet you're living on. Uh, there's such so much beauty and, and so uh, much education that you can learn from just traveling itself. Uh, I always say it best. Why are you eating uh, traditional Mexican food when you can go to Mexico? Uh, why are you eating um, Jamaican or Trinidadian uh, or Bohemian food when you could go and travel and eat directly from the locals in that particular country? And most importantly, uh, if you are African-American or even Caribbean and you do not have any uh, a willingness or any urge to travel to Africa, uh, then you are missing a lot of your identity crisis that you are in. Uh, because I learned so much in just traveling to Liberia for two weeks uh, than I have in my whole entire life. And so uh, you are wanting to uh, learn more about yourself. You need to travel and definitely make it a point to travel to West Africa and also Africa alone. And so uh, I'm your host, Julian Smartrimple. Uh, this was just a quick special edition uh, for uh, distant relatives, because no matter where you are from, especially if you are of African descent or African-American descent, uh, it all traces back to Africa. And so uh, hopefully you all were able to learn something with tonight's segment. I'm going to drop some more of what Tony's uh, jewels are that she dropped in the comments thread on the replay. And so uh, make sure you catch the replay if you missed any of tonight's segment. Uh, we'll be back uh, for this first week of October. So stay tuned. Uh, this was the last official session for this month of September on family values. Uh, you've heard from a ton of different speakers, um, parents, um, uh, people who are married, single, divorced, uh, widowed. Uh, you've heard from all gambit, all across the gambit of people that value their families and why they know it's important to have family values. And so uh, you've heard again from my family, uh, two of my family members recently. Uh, but if you are wanting to again be married, if you are wanting to again start a family, excuse me, you need to start thinking about what do you value? What are things that are important to you? And what are some things that are going to be embedded in your family values in the core and the foundation of who your family is and what are you known for? Our family, you heard from Tony's mouth and, and you've heard from my mouth a ton of times say, uh, we are all across the globe. Uh, we're not literally in one pocket of the world. Um, our family is global. And this is just one side of my family, the Smart Clan. I also have a distant uh, family side, which is the Rimple Clan uh, that I'm just getting more in touch with right now. And so uh, you need to, again, know where you come from. You need to know and stay connected to your family because you are needing to have family values. If you have not got the memo this whole month, 
I'm just reiterating that as we get ready to close out September. Fall is officially here, uh, especially here in the U.S. And so you need to be ready to transition and shift into a higher gear as we go into the end of 2019. Start thinking about where do you want to travel in 2020? Start thinking about why do I not have a passport? Start thinking about what do I need? Do I need a, a visa? Do I need shots? Do I need immunization uh, to go to these particular places? Start doing the research. Start putting it into action because if you're not talking about it, then you're just literally listening to other people's stories instead of making your own stories. And so, uh, or, or even making your own memories, let alone stories. And so shout out to those that do value the importance of travel and the importance of bringing your family along for the journey. Uh, shout out to my mom's uh, Yvette Smart. Uh, she always put it in my DNA from early to travel. Um, literally, uh, she's traveled abroad just like myself. And so uh, it, it is It is important to uh, value who your parents are and what values they teach you from a young age because that's a part of who I am today as a man. And so uh, shout out for those that have been tuning in this whole month. Catch the replays if you missed any of the segments. And then we will be back next month of October coming up this week for lifestyle changes. Uh, we are going to kick it into a higher gear for uh, those goals, those uh, dreams, those aspirations that you still want to uh, kick into the next level for 2020. Uh, we're going to end this year off strong. And so you'll hear from a large group of entrepreneurs and also professionals in uh, how they have changed up their lifestyle for the better. And so you won't want to miss any of October's segments. But until the next time again, I'm going to drop the link for some events we have happening here in Atlanta for those that are in the States. Uh, tune in to uh, some of our events we have coming up. We have Financial Peace University classes starting on Wednesday. Uh, for those that are looking to be debt free or uh, to get more sound with their financial education, uh, you will want to uh, click the link um, that I will drop in the comments thread uh, to make sure you are one step closer to being financially free. And, and also we have a uh, part two of our picture perfect photo shoot uh, event that is happening this Saturday, October 5th coming up. Uh, if you missed uh, this past Saturday, uh, you still have time to register for your headshots. And so if you are an entrepreneur, business professional, uh, husband or wife, or even a parent uh, that want to just make sure you have the right face that you're putting out there for your business, for your, your holiday pictures, uh, for your website, uh, you won't want to miss our Picture Perfect Fall photo shoot event coming up October 5th. And so just click the link in the, um, the video uh, comments thread that I'll be putting on there in a second. Uh, it's been a pleasure serving with you all this month of September. Y'all have a great rest of the week and also make it a great rest of the year, y'all. Uh, 2019 is about to be over. So if you haven't started on 2020 and thinking what you're doing already, uh, you are behind. And so that's my final jewel. King Jewel signing off. Y'all stay blessed. Stay hydrated. Peace.